Hello friends and welcome to another episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips, uh, coming to you from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, the Paris of the Prairies. Don't know why I said that, super weird, but whatever. Uh, my name's Clayton Croker, to my left we have Justin Anderson, Patrick Marsh joining us via Skype. Thanks for listening. Um, again, make sure you follow us on the uh, the social medias, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Just look up the FMD Podcast. Uh, big shout out to Anchor. We're on Anchor. Lots of cool people are on Anchor now. It's the cool new thing. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and Stitcher. All the classics were on there as well. Uh, thanks for listening. It's been a tough time for Jays fans. So today's episode is brought to you by superhero movies. We're going to talk about positives before we get into the negatives because a lot of negatives, boys. A lot of negatives. <laughs> Understatement. Um, Avengers Endgame, you guys are the superhero movies, so I'll just let you take over for the next six minutes. Have fun. Six minutes? That's yeah. a long time. I don't know if I can talk for that You long. guys are going to talk about Avengers Endgame for like 15, don't Yeah, lie. we could probably. Exactly. Um, I, I personally very much enjoyed it. Uh, it ended as I hoped it would. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything. I know the spoiler ban was technically lifted yesterday, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to be that guy just in case people haven't seen it yet. Um, if you haven't seen it and you've watched even a few of the Marvel movies, go see it. It's worth seeing. It's it's a culmination of 11 years of movies. Um, it ends kind of the first era of the Marvel Universe with like the likes of Iron Man and Captain America and those guys kind of finishing up their character arcs. Um, for now <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens in the future with those with those guys but we'll see what happens there so i i know i loved it i liked the the interactions with all the with all the characters coming together again to go after and hopefully defeat thanos how about you patrick i thought it was really good i i have to say though the last hour and a half of that movie there's a certain moment in the movie i don't again i'm not going to say anything because obviously i don't want to ruin somebody's you know day by spoiling but there's a particular instance in the movie that really sets off the pace of the film Mm -hmm. and from then on my heart was pounding harder and faster than any other time i've seen any other movie my entire life i just couldn't i couldn't handle it it was crazy <laughs> see so you said like the last hour and a half of the movie because it's three hours, three hours long, long right three hours and two minutes if we want to get specific about it but yep. would you rather have the one long movie or would you rather they split them up into no. two two-hour movies because it sounds like they could have done that yeah i don't i don't I didn't want like a harry potter part one and two like they finished off that series with mm-hmm. it just it kills the whole mood like the good thing about infinity war and endgame is while they're centered around the same event endgame has a five-year time gap mm-hmm. that's a spoiler technically but i mean i think people knew that there's gonna be a bit of time that comes past so endgame was five years after after infinity war so having a year between those movies made sense whereas harry potter number deathly hallows part one and part two they put a year between those two releases but they kept they continued off exactly where they left off so it was kind of like you got to a cliffhanger it's like watching a tv show and having to wait till the next week It'd just be weird for them to do this this culmination in, in that way. Like, it's like the Lord of the Rings Part Three in two parts. Like they could have done Return of the King is a big story. They could have done that in two movies, but they chose not to. Right? It just makes sense for them to do it this way. And, and like Patrick said, yeah, the last the last half of the movie was like an adrenaline thrill ride the whole time. Like there was just stuff kept happening where it was like, oh my god, that's how that works, and that mm-hmm. kind of like, you just kind of had like all these realizations that that came into your head as you were watching and. 
yeah, I, I didn't want it to end when it when it was finally over. I was like, gee, can, I, can we watch it again right now? Can you just start it over? But Patrick, didn't you say I think like a month ago we were talking about superhero movies? You were like, the more the better, because I was like, there was there's way too many superhero movies on the market, like so many. And then was it Patrick or Justin? I can't remember, but they were like, no man, the more the merrier. That's why I brought it up. I was like, would you guys rather have two or one? I think it's more about like quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. The thing is that DC can release a hundred thousand movies, and it'll make a billion. Do- all those movies will make a billion dollars combined because they're all gonna suck. <laughs> and then Avengers Endgame is coming for coming for Avatar, which is the highest grossing film ever. So yeah, it's already I don't know, well. man. I'm just saying, like, there's something to be said about quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. And I don't really agree with the idea of breaking up Endgame any more than it is. It is, in my mind, it is a perfect comic book movie because there are three extremely clearly defined acts in the movie. Yeah. And I don't want to get into too much detail. If you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but if you don't know, well, then go see the movie and then you can totally understand it. <laughs> Yeah, I totally feel your guys' uh, mood on this. I yeah. mean, I totally... It's like I, watch, It's like watching a Shakespeare play. It's, it's where it has different acts, and all of them feel distinctly different, yet it's in the same the same movie or the same play. This this film went from, like, depression to hope to depression again, back to extreme hope, and it just kept bouncing around, playing with the emotions, and every part of the movie just felt like things would take a turn, and then something would happen that would make it turn for the better or for the worse again. And it just was, it was one of those things where you just, there's some twists and turns that came in and some things were expected. Cause I mean, people knew that there's like, there's all these superheroes and they all have these insane powers and some of them are more powerful than the others and they can come save the day and these kind of things. So stuff happens that we're like, Oh yeah, something's going to show up here and save it. But like in infinity war, when, when Thanos snapped, people were like, really? Like that they actually let this happen. Like he, he killed half of everyone. Like it was like a it was a movie that ended on a like a, a crushing defeat. Like half of life was dead. I've never seen so. Infinity War, so thanks well, for ruining it's, it's for a me. Year, just now. It's a year old, a year old, so that's their own fault. People don't forget, Justin. By the way, uh, Dumbledore dies. People don't forget. <laughs> people don't Snape forget. Kills Dumbledore. Snape kills Dumbledore. You know what? Even if people like you know what? you can't ruin Bambi. You can't say that Bambi's, Bambi's mom dies. Moms die. You know His what? You can't say that. Too. Even though yeah. I just did, but I just did it as an example. <laughs> But you can't do that, okay? You can't do that. That's enough of superhero movies. I yeah, know the exact on. moment where I stopped liking superhero movies, by the way. Um, it was a Spider-Man. I think it was with Venom. and But Tobey Maguire was oh, still in it. God. When Venom took over Tobey Maguire or something, yeah, I can't yeah, remember. But that scene dude. where he's walking down the street and he starts dancing like a fucking idiot. Yeah. Oh, I... Tobey Maguire has the most punchable face in the world. And I was just like, oh, I can't with his son, like when he's yeah. the Venom in that, because he's got the weird like, Panic at the Disco haircut emo, going on, emo haircut. and you're like, oh man, I just, I, I, after that, I was like, ah, superhero movies ruined. So let's yeah. just let's just move uh, on and never look can back, blame shall Sony we? Sony for that. Okay, over here, <laughs> throwing the blame game out well, here. I'll throw the blame game. <laughs> Gonna go on Reddit later and rip Sony apart. I will, you? yeah. Oh, I'm sure my. there's a thread somewhere. Um, Justin went to uh, L.A. Yeah. Saw the uh, Angels take on the Jays. I'd just like to point out that ever since uh, Justin saw that series, the Jays have been awful. Yeah, they won one game. Thanks for jinxing us, man. No, if this season is awful, you're to blame. We were playing Perfect. great. We were we were riding high. We were playing above expectations, and then you had to be selfish. You right? know what? Someone has to take the blame. I'd rather it be me than the starting rotation. Well, they have a lot of the blame as well. 
but it's not their fault because it's just not that good. Um, talk about uh, LA for a bit. How was the stadium? How was the atmosphere? Yeah. What was it like? So, well, technically you're in Anaheim, but I mean, it's all the same place. You can't tell the difference between where one city ends and where another begins, but it was it was Yeesh. warm. It, it was uh, a, a blustery zero degrees in Edmonton. We flew from Saskatoon to Edmonton and then down to LA, and it was we had to wait for the snow to stop in Edmonton so they could yeah. de-ice our plane because it was a very heavy winter storm that blew through. Um, so once we finally got to LA, it was about 20 degrees that day. So it was a huge difference. What difference three and a half hours yeah. of flying makes, right? You go from snow to sunny California and um, windy California. It was very windy the first day. So we roll in and get to our, we stayed in Airbnb. I won't talk about that because um, it wasn't very exciting as an Airbnb. So we went to the ballpark. We stayed right across the street from Angel Stadium. Um, so that was pretty cool. We got to walk into the ballpark. And the first thing we, we encounter is uh, a guy directing traffic. And he sees us wearing our Blue Jays stuff. And he talks like, oh, you guys here to see Vladdy. And he, like, we saw this guy like every day we walked to the ballpark. Mm-hmm. So we had a little banter going back and forth with him as the series went on. And we kept losing. Um, Clay Buckles was brutal. <laughs> yeah, he didn't <laughs> like, pitch well. He, was, he threw an absolute <laughs> yeah. stinker. But, I mean, the bats didn't do anything. I think we may have got our first hit maybe in the fifth or sixth inning in that first game. Um yeah, we made all the Angels pitchers look like Cy Young Award winners. Like I'm not sure who these guys were. Like Tyler Skaggs obviously was a, a decent pitcher. He pitched in the third game, and he made we made him look like Clayton Kershaw from three years ago. Um, we we couldn't get a hit off the guy. Uh, Rowdy Telez and Randall Gritchuk had decent series. The only yeah. Jays really did anything. Uh, Rowdy hit a home run. Gritch had some hits. Um, yeah, it was it was a it was brutal from an offensive standpoint. The, the starting rotation was terrible. The bullpen was very good, as they have been. Even though the Jays have been losing, it hasn't been the bullpen's fault. Um, the only bullpen guy who's pitched terribly is Thomas Pannone, and he pitched terribly in a spot start. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely brutal. Um, but Alan Hansen, RIP, is no longer with the team. Yeah. Because the game, a, a ground ball to the right field, and he just missed it. It let it roll to the wall. And it ended up costing us, I think, I think it cost Sanchez two or three runs that inning because it kept the inning going. And Aaron didn't have a great game, but there were probably five or six ground ball singles in that game. So things were just finding holes. Like he was getting the ball on the ground. They weren't hitting it very hard. I think Pujols had a couple doubles. One was a, a hard one. The one was down the line on the ground ball. And then Mike Trout went yard, um, which didn't help this, didn't help things. But the Angels looked very good because the Jays looked so bad. Like the Angels don't have a great ball team. Mm-hmm. Um, the top three people in their order, uh, which right now, which would be Tommy Listella, usually Brian Goodwin, who, um, is playing left field for the angels right now. He's been whitening it up. He's a good left-handed hitter. He had a home run in the series. He hit the game winning home run on, uh, on the first game in the top and the bottom of the eighth to give the angels a four, three lead. And then Mike Trout obviously is getting on base at almost a 500 clip, which is otherworldly. Um, I would kill to have Mike Trout on any baseball team. Uh, the Angels fans, they love Mike Trout. Uh, every time he comes out to center field, we sat in right center the first game, and every time he comes up for the inning, they all start cheering. They'll stand up and mm. cheer for him. He throws him, throws him the warm-up ball at the end of warm-up, and people will yell at him during the game. He'll like give him little waves and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, he, Mike Trout's a great guy. He's a good ball player. Obviously, MVP every year should be. I sound like Don Cherry right now. MVP yeah. every year should Jeez. be winning the award. Did the fact that the Jays stunk it up, though, ruin the experience a bit? A little bit. The baseball experience, yeah. But I mean, we went to Disneyland one day, so that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm so, talking like strictly at the ballpark, like. Yeah, I mean, there were there were a few. I thought there'd be more Jays fans, honestly, with it being a weekend in LA, um, or a week a week week series in LA during like a, a kind of a cold time here. But there weren't too many Jays fans. 
there weren't too many Angels fans there. Neither, none of the games were sold out. They announced attendance at like 40,000 for all three games, but that was maybe purchase tickets. Mm-hmm. But there was no way there were more than 20,000 people at any of the ball games. Uh, the first game was a Shohei Otani Rookie of the Year thing. So we got like a Shohei Otani Rookie of the Year sweatshirt. Oh, that's cool. Kind of cool. Um, and he was actually there. They activated on the DL today, so he's back as a DH. Um, but yeah, the ballpark is really nice. I, I hadn't been there before. Um, that little water feature they have in center field adds a nice touch to the ballpark. Yeah, um, lots of unique food options. They have lots of like uh, interesting local. I know, lots of lots of churros and that kind of thing. Like a little bit of a Spanish Mexican flavor to the stadium. Um, it's they have a lot of parking, which I've noticed that most ballparks I've been to don't have. Uh, right there, because uh, it's right off a freeway, so they have a ton of parking. Lots of people drive there. There's there's not a ton of busing that I noticed came in there. Lots of people Uber to mm-hmm. the ballpark. So. Um, contrary to when I've been to Target Field in Minnesota, there's almost zero parking downtown in Minneapolis. So everyone takes the bus, the train. Their train system's really good, though. It, it goes is. right by there, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a little bit different. Um, and same with Seattle at Safeco Field. There's not much parking in, in Seattle, so a lot of people will take the buses and stuff there, mm-hmm. too. Where would you rank it on the stadiums you've been? Uh, stadiums I've been, well, I've been to four. Baseball experience. Not even just stadiums, Center. but baseball experience. Baseball experience, probably like, I'd say a, a three. I, I I would put Target Field first, followed by Safeco, and then Angel Stadium, followed by Rogers Center. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, Rogers Center wasn't very good. We went, we went on Roberto Alomar Hall of Fame Day back in 2011, so it was super packed, and it just like didn't really leave like me impressed with the stadium and stuff like that. But this was a cool stadium. They do a lot of uh, things between innings to keep the fans involved, like on the jumbotron, that kind of thing. A lot of little races on the field and sort of things. So they keep people involved. Uh, food is expensive. A beer is like 12 bucks American, um, for a tall boy and food is expensive too. Mm-hmm. But, um, in terms of the feel of the ballpark and the fan atmosphere, like nobody was rude, uh, good experience. We, we had a good chat with a couple of people that sat next to us that were locals and yeah, they were all very pleasant. So I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the experience. I didn't enjoy the ball games. <laughs> all right. That's enough of you. Yeah. All right. That's enough of you for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> Don't like, worry. I'll talk about Vladdy soon. Jeez. No, you're not getting to talk about Vladdy. Oh, I'm next. talking about Vladdy. No. Um, Patrick, um, <laughs> does the LA angel experience that you just heard, does it make you want to go check out an angels game or would you rather go to another couple ballparks before you would go check out an angels game? I would say, like, out of all 30 of the baseball stadiums that exist, Angel Stadium is probably in my top half that I would want to see. Or We got to remember, Angel Stadium is over 50 years old it now. An it's an older, it's a much older stadium than the average age of a stadium in MLB. It's probably, it might even be one of the five oldest. Yeah, yeah. but the angels in the outfield make the value of the stadium <laughs> way more you, valuable. You can't really tell the age of the ballpark when you're inside. They've done a lot of work. Like some of the seats look old, but in terms of like concession space and like even the shops, like everything looks like it's been redone in the last five years. Yeah, because the angels are looking out for the park guys. <laughs> angels in the outfield. Yeah. Start waving those arms. Right. Oh, you guys aren't giving me pity laughs or anything, hey? Uh-huh. Jeez. Someone has to throw you're, some you're, comedy you're, in this you're, damn you're, you're podcast. Off, Clayton. God. You cut me off. Why am I gonna why am I gonna give you some, yeah, some Because pity I have laughs. hilarious angels in the outfield joke. That's why I cut you off. Come on, guys. Yeah, Danny Glover? Come on. Funny your toe. Jeez. Okay, go on. But, like, what, like, top 10, would you even say? No. I would say top 15 as far as what I'm interested in. But there are so many newer ballparks that are, like, a – I hate saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's a real experience. Like, obviously, going to Fenway 
regardless of what I feel about the Red Sox, would be, you know, like, I'd have to do it before I die. Um, that's kind of morbid. I would definitely be down to go see Safeco Field in Seattle. I love the Mariners. I love the Mariners fans. The Mariners fans are some of the best in the world, man. They're great. Something like that. Uh, I would also love to go to see a Dodgers game in L.A. Um, and PNC Park in yeah, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh is like my number one that I absolutely need to see. I'm with you there. And then there's there's the one in uh, Cincinnati, too. Try, I can't Great remember American the name Ballpark. of it. Great American Ballpark. Yeah. I got to I gotta go to Cincy and Pittsburgh. They're like my one and two as far as like going to America. But obviously... I have yet to go to any ballpark, so first with a bullet point has to be <laughs> Rogers Center. How about you, Clayton? Uh, well, I went to Oakland. Dump. <laughs> like my <Yeah>. first <laughs> baseball experience was the Oakland Coliseum. I like Coliseum. how we had like a moment of silence for oh, you there. <laughs> they're like leaky pipes, walking oh, in the concourse, um, like all just like, you know the brick that is in every single hockey arena in Canada? Yeah. Like that white, white brick, brick with the white paint? That's all it was, like all the way around except in Oakland A's football, colors. Right? It's so bad. It was so bad. The A's fans were awesome. Oakland A's fans, there weren't a lot of them at the games, but they're crazy. They love baseball. That drum in the outfield and yeah. Like, they're outfield fans. We went and sat with them because we had great seats. We were, like, 10 rows up in the Jays' uh, bench. But we saw how good of a time they had in the outfield, so we went over there, and it was the best part. It was so awesome. Yeah. The Jays had five hits in three games when we went there. So, again, Gee. the baseball experience You had sucked. a worse experience than me. Yeah, the, um, the Twins Park is the best park. It's awesome. You've been to Target as well? But the best yeah. baseball experience I've ever had is, um, I think it's called Shaw Park in Winnipeg. Have you been to Winnipeg Stadium, no, the Goldeye Stadium? I haven't been. It's They used to be the single-A team for the Pirates way back in the day. Okay. And that's how they got it. Well, they got it because of the Pan Am Games. Mm. But, like, it's right by, like, their train bridge. And oh. the train is, like, literally, like, a two-lane street away from, like, the stadium. Like, outside, right. and there's this big, huge square, and the train goes by games, and it honks the horn and stuff. That's it's, sweet. It, and it's right by the river, right by that brand-new museum and stuff. I think uh, I think some of my umpire buddies went there for a national mm-hmm. championship. It's always there, ago, yeah. And, and uh, it's, yeah, it, they, they said it's a nice ballpark. It's beautiful in Winnipeg. I mean, not obviously a major league ballpark, but, like, yeah. when it comes to smaller minor league parks, it's... it's huh. They have a craft beer alley. Like, they have, like, five, like, little craft beer places in there. It's a really, That's really sweet. cool park. Yeah. So, yeah, Winnipeg, if, you ever, if you're ever in the area, check out that ballpark it's nice let's get to some baseball though well jay's baseball that is uh vladdy watch 2019 he's five for 33 um he's struck out 10 times and everyone was saying how good his eye was struck out 10 times he has yeah. walked four times he's only got one rbi um the thing that i'm most impressed is though his fielding looks great everyone was like oh his fielding's a big worry he's been making some plays he's got a couple errors i think both the errors been fielding errors i know the one yesterday was yeah but man some of the throws that he's, he's had are very throws. impressive yeah. uh patrick you'll start vladdy i mean you kind of called it you kind of thought he was going to have a little bit of a slow start but like are you a little worried about his slow start at all like what's going on no i'm not worried at all this is just what happens when you're 20 years old mm-hmm. and you have to live up to the legacy of one of the greatest players of all time and your father. I mean, this was going to happen. It was the perfect storm of it. And again, he's barely 20 years old. This is just, this is not a surprise or it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Uh, He's going to be fine. This, we're talking about a long, long career that he's going to have. And before everybody who's not a Jays fan starts saying, oh, well, what about Fernando Tatis? Fernando Tatis is 
the same age and he's already hitting 300 and he already has 13 RBIs and six home runs so far this year, blah, 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 blah. Look, Fernando Tatis is a great baseball player. He's probably going to end up being a good comparable to Vladdy. But in the long term, I don't think uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. has the same, will have the same like star power uh, or long-term appeal as Vladdy. But then again, we could be wrong. Maybe Tatis is the one. I don't know. Tatis is also playing on a better ball club right now too, so that also Much helps. Much better. The Padres are winning, which is which is nice to see based on the acquisitions that they made. Vladdy wants to hit a home run so bad, and yeah, you can tell you can he's see reaching. It. He didn't do that in the minors. He didn't reach for things outside. Well, his his first couple weeks in, in AAA, he did struggle when they first called him up. Like he was batting under two hundred his first couple weeks in AAA until he got it used to the level. Every level of baseball is different, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's he's seeing breaking pitches now that he's never seen before like the quality of breaking pitches between major league arms and guys in the minors is a jump like it's, it's a hop skip and a jump away and to quantify his slow start with some numbers is like you know that's what i like to do here we go we've talked about batting average on balls in play a lot mm-hmm. how the league average is around 310 Vadis is 217 right now and a big part of that is because he's hitting 73.9 percent of the balls on the ground so he's been hitting a lot of ground balls right now because he's getting a lot of breaking pitches he's topping everything right mm-hmm. um We've seen him like his first his first hit was on the ground the other way on that double. We've seen him do that. He's going to do that more because only thirty one percent of the pitches that he's seen have been in the strike zone so far. So about seventy percent of pitches that Vladdy's seeing are outside the zone because guys don't want to pitch to him. I wouldn't. They don't want to give Vladdy the first home run. You don't want to be the guy who gives up the first home run to Vladdy. It's like Sam Dyson being remembered for the bat flip home run, yeah. right? And how pissed off he was. You don't want to be the guy who is like, oh, that guy served up Vladdy a fat juicy curveball exactly. that didn't do anything. Um, and he's only on pitches he swings at. He's only missed. He's he's got nine percent swinging strike rate. So he's getting called strikes. He's not missing a lot. Um, when he swings, he's making contact seventy five percent of the time. It's pretty good. So there is that, and and ninety percent contact on pitches in the strike zone. So when he's getting pitches to hit, he's hitting them. It's just a matter of the contact he's making. His hard hit percentage right now is 43.5. His medium contact is 47.8. And his soft contact is 8.7. So he's not hitting the ball soft. Mm-hmm. He's hitting the ball. It's going to happen. Um, we saw this with, with guys last year. Um, Tim Anderson right now for the, for the White Sox has an insanely high BABIP, and that's why he's batting 350. His, everything he's hitting, is they're finding holes. It's, yeah. like, it's like the Mark Burley thing where Mark Burley was always able to limit batters to um, – low averages because he just the way he pitched that he pitched to contact because he put it where you couldn't hit it for hits he'd jam you right so even though Vladdy's putting the ball in play right now he's just not making um he's not getting the ball in the air enough and once he settles down and waits a little bit longer he'll stop rolling a bunch of pitches over and he'll start getting behind stuff and driving it more and we'll see we'll see that happen soon Patrick were you a little surprised that he does keep hitting the ball on the ground because that's one thing I noticed I was yeah, like it's I a mean, high number he was always hitting balls in the air it's double as, as minor league numbers any highlights you'd see him obviously you'd see a lot of home run highlights <laughs> but even anything else you know he's always hitting the ball in the air he's not really a guy to hit it on the ground was that kind of surprising to you Patrick or did was that something that was kind of like ah whatever uh, I think with the numbers that Justin has revealed, it's not a surprise that he's hitting a lot of balls on the ground because, again, they're not pitching to him no. because they don't want to be the one to give up the 430-foot home <laughs> run that's that's coming. If Vladdy, like the rest of the Jays, starts showing a little bit more patience at the plate, I mean, Jesus Christ. It is May 7th, and I've been talking about this now for almost 52 weeks. 
The Jays need to change their approach at the plate, and it has to involve taking more pitches because they're swinging at fringe uh, balls that they shouldn't be swinging at because they want to tear the cover off the ball because they all want to be Jose Batista and hit the big home run and all that other stuff. It's almost ingrained in the culture of being in the Blue Jays now that you have to hit massive bombs. And a few of the guys can do it. Rowdy can do it. Uh, Vladdy certainly can, at least at the minor league level that we've seen. Justin Smoke can do it. But, I mean, like, we can't – there's so much pressure on some of these younger players to just go out there and tear the cover off the ball. And if you don't do that, well, then you're a failure. Like, they're not going to – it's just dumb for people to expect them all, like, to be outperforming, like, Fernando Tatis, who is a freak athlete. I have to say, Tatis is an incredible athlete, and I think he's going to be – a star. I'm going to backpedal a tiny bit <laughs> on what I said, only because I I think I might have come across as being maybe a little too dismissive. But what I'm trying to say is be patient. The hitters, be patient. It's all going to come. Mm-hmm. All, the, all the bombs, all the home runs, the extra base hits, all that stuff, it's going to happen. Well, one sign of a struggling baseball team is hitters – expanding the zone wanting to be the guy to turn the team around yeah every guy on that team right now wants to be the guy who hits two home runs they get a huge win and turn things around and that's when players start to expand the zone swing at awful pitches and i think that's a little bit what vladdy wants to do too because like he's the savior of the team and he knows that too he knows the hype that's built around him he wants to be the guy and when you want to be the guy you sometimes try a little bit too hard to be the guy and you lose focus on all the stuff that would make you the guy, and it's not making you yeah. the guy. Well, we saw uh, Patrick had, no sense, Patrick had okay. sent us a tweet saying that the Blue Jays held a players a player meeting to talk about hitting yeah. before tonight's game. So hopefully we'll see what happens there. They mm-hmm. want to change their approach and kind of get on the same page because it does seem like, like you said, that they are just swinging at everything right now trying to make a difference, and it's, it's not going to work like that. When do you think Vladdy hits his first home run? What game is it going to be? I'm with, calling it right now the first game of the White Sox series. Within the next week, I think, we'll see it. Yeah. Hopefully. Fifth inning of the White Sox game on Friday. That's what I'm calling right now. You heard it here first. Sure. Okay. You're just All going right. within the week. You I'm going actual the game. Spicy hot take. Oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> what? Gee, Vladdy is going to hit his first home run tonight. Ooh. And we're recording on the second game of the Twin Series, by the way. Yeah. And it's one nothing Twins right now. Yes. First inning, classic Jays. Um, <laughs> yep. I'm calling right now, Friday, White Sox game, fifth inning. You heard it here first, I'm friends. I'm going to say Saturday, just so uh, the old Price is Right rules. Yeah, before we get to <laughs> – you would. Uh, before we get to the uh, the week that was, um, two little things here. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Uh, mm-hmm. taking reps in the outfield. When do you think he's going to be back, Patrick, if at all this season? Uh, ooh, the minute that we have an injury to anybody who plays a shortstop or second base – because I really don't think they can justify holding him back any longer. I think they'll give him five. Well, maybe not holding back is what it what it is. Yeah. But maybe it's just like they can't. They won't be able to justify it after a certain amount of time, and that time is like it's coming up. True. Well, his bats his bats not keeping him down there. Like his bat is he's hitting well. I think he's going to get five yep. starts in the outfield, and then they'll get rid of Socrates Brito finally. Yeah. And bring up Lourdes Gurriel Jr. because. If he can, if they can play him in the outfield, and if he shows a little bit of chops, he'll become like a Brandon Jury sort of guy, where he can play second base, shortstop, outfield, corner outfield, I guess, and they can work him into the lineup a little bit when guys are struggling. 
because I mean we don't have any uh, any really guys who are lighting it up right now in those positions. So we'll see. <laughs> we don't have guys lighting it up in any positions. Yeah, right there were so. two this last week that did yeah, did well. I guess. Uh, also though, Ben Revere. He back, back in AAA. Um, do you think he's ever going to get called up? Do you think he has any kind in, of playing time with the Jays this injuries, year? Injuries, that's that's it. He's a depth signing. Um, he hasn't really played much in the majors kind of since we traded him away or, or since he came to us and then and then left again. Um, so I, I, I don't see it as like an immediate thing. I think Jonathan Davis is still ahead of him on the pecking order because he's been having a, a, a great start to his year after he came back from injury. Um, this is just an organizational depth signing of a guy who's been in the big leagues before. It's kind of like an Eric Sogard signing. Obviously, we saw Sogard so far has worked out pretty well mm-hmm. um, in terms of defense and leadership and a little bit of offense. So we'll see what happens with Revere. But he's he in the past he's shown an ability to be a good fielder and a good a good speedster on the base pass. So we'll see what happens with him. Patrick, any expectations for Benny? No zero. I would like to say though, uh, with regards to Eric Sogard, I saw something. In the last few days, I, I honestly can't remember whether or not it was today or yesterday, but Sogard apparently has the third highest WRC plus among players right now. With 50 plate appearances. Yeah. Yeah, with 50 plate appearance, with at least 50 plate appearances. I think it's dropped in the last couple days. But pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a cool. It, he has, he's been off to a lightning quick start. I mean, obviously, we're it's kind of like the start Freddie Galvis had where you know he's going to cool off. But you just hope it does, that it lasts forever yeah. anyway. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good comparison right there. Yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, some of the Jays game, shall we? Because ever since we swept Oakland at home, uh, we've sucked. Uh, we've lost six of our last seven games. Our defense has been bad. The offense has been bad. Things seem to be looking up after that Oakland series. Like, the boys were hyped, and that hype is all but gone. Uh, we kind of talked about the Angels series already. You kind of recapped it a little bit there. They sucked. Um, Gritchick and Rowdy played pretty good. Pitching was not great. So let's just get to the Rangers series because, again, yeah. you did a great job of recapping the Angels series already. Long story short, bats bad, rotation bad, bullpen good. That's like the opposite <laughs> of the last 10 Blue Jay seasons I know. right there. Like, um, that first game of the Rangers series, one nothing. Like, they looked pretty good too. I mean, we had 11 hits on the game. I know we only had one run, but 11 hits to go with 14 strikeouts. Um, what are – like? What's more to you here, Patrick? The positive that we had 11 hits, so we kind of got out of a slump, or are you a little bit more worried about the fact we struck out 14 times in a game? It's not so much the 14 strikeouts that pisses me off. Every runner that we had that entire game was left on base, except for when the when the the bunt was laid down, yeah. like the winning run. Yeah. Other than that, every runner who got on base was stranded. That's a problem. You can't win baseball games if you're stranding every single runner that you put on base. That's that's a problem. I'm just going to keep repeating myself, so I'll pass it over to Justin. <laughs> yeah, obviously it's not ideal. Um, kudos to Trent Thornton for making a great start that game. And the bullpen, obviously, yeah. for holding it down. Um, I was very impressed. I watched most of that game in the airport on the way back. We were sitting in Calgary when that game finally finished. Um and, and yeah, no, it was it was nice to see the bullpen again continue to lock it down. And I loved I loved the way Thornton pitched. I thought that he was aggressive and he used his fastball more than he had at any other start in, in the season. And that's that's the key for major league pitcher. You got to work off your fastball unless you're a knuckleball pitcher. You're going to use your fastball a lot. And he did. And it was nice. He had control. Um, the defense actually looked great that game. Um, the rain kind of put a damper on some some stuff in that game too. But 
overall get you get the win you're happy it was a long game a long day for the jays they had some travel delays getting to texas after anaheim so it was, it's a good way for them to get a win unfortunately the momentum didn't carry over at all i thought that that was going to be a huge turning point because when your team is struggling and you get a greasy win like that a one nothing yeah. win where you did not deserve to win the game but you won anyway that just feels like a monkey off your back when that mm-hmm. happens. You're like, oh, man, we just, we just needed that win. We got it out of the way. We got it out of our system, slumps over. And then we come back with the next two <laughs> games in that series, and it was horrible. Awful. It was horrendous. Like, again, I was a little worried about that 14 strikeout performance as well, but I was like, hey, at least we got 11 hits. At least we're striking out, but we're hitting the ball. But And then those next two games, it was just like we were kind of hitting the ball, but not really. Plus, our pitching was bad. Thomas Pannone was bad in that 8-5 to five game. You guys can go off on Thomas. Hey, hey Pannone, Patrick, so. how's the hype train doing? Yeah, is how it, is, is it, the Thomas Pannone Is it hype derailed train? right now? Is it still on the tracks? It's on fire. <laughs> Are you out of coal? Is... <laughs> I mean, the only thing I can a really compare the Thomas train. Pannone hype train to <laughs> is basically the old, the other two disasters that we talk about every April which is the anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic and the annual implosion of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm. That's how bad Thomas Pannone is pitching right now. It is just, uh, it, it's a total disaster. I'm mad. I can't believe you said you're out of coal. It's not 1860. <laughs> like, <laughs> the Thomas Pannone hype train needs all help I can get. It's not yeah. moving. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's not moving at all. It's it's not even a train anymore. Like it's just dust. It's like, it's a, a, it's like Fred Flintstone's car. You gotta use your feet to push it. Oh, it's one of those. What are the trains that you had two guys on each end and you kind of yeah, like go back and, and forth, down. back and forth. That's the Thomas Pannone yeah, yeah, hype yeah. train right now. Um, <laughs> Vladdy got his first RBI in that game. I like the Justin Smoke stat there too. How Justin Smoke's yeah. first RBI was Vladimir, uh, Guerrero. Vladimir Guerrero, and then Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s first RBI was Justin Pitt Smoke. and Justin Smoke. That was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. um, and then Clay Buckles was really bad again. Yeah, the second straight bad second start in a row. Um, in that ten-two loss, um, are you a little worried about Buckles, or are you a little encouraged <laughs> about the fact that he's a veteran guy? And you I'm can turn it around. Worried about the whole rotation. It's yeah. not even just him. Uh, well, it, not Thornton. Not Thornton. So who would have thought that of all the guys we have in a rotation, that Trent Thornton's Trent the guy we aren't worried about Thornton. right now? Yeah. We've got Marcus Stroman and Aaron Sanchez, um, and who else is in there right now? Well, Stroman hasn't <laughs> been bad. He like again, great start of the year. He's had a couple rough starts, but not like horrible, horrible starts. Yeah. But he still hasn't been great. But yeah, these all these major league veterans and the and the rookie is the guy who's who's lighting it up right now. Yeah. What do you think of Buckles these past couple games here, Patrick? Not impressed. <laughs> I've got uh, I've got a feeling that he's not going to last the year. I think he'll last it's a just, year, but maybe he won't, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Because if we do end up trading Stroman and Sanchez, which we will talk about in a bit, mm. and we bring in some young guys, I'd way rather give our young guys a chance as opposed to give Clay Buckles more time on the mound. Yeah, if we're going to lose, you may as well lose the young guys yeah, out there. That's what I kind of think. Well, what about? Do you kind of think the same, or Patrick, or no? What, that we should just be playing the kids? Like or... if we, if Tear we, it down. If we end up trading Stroman and Sanchez for some pitching pieces, would you rather Clay Buckles just finish the year and just say, like, okay, whatever, it's just a throwaway year, or would you rather, you know what, Buckles, get out of here, let's give the young guys some MLB experience? I don't know. Ask me in, like, a week. We'll see. <laughs> like, it's hard to say. Right now, honestly, like, I don't yeah. want to give up on on Sanchez or Stroman. I just think it's a mistake. I think that those guys still have it. Mm-hmm. And because they've had a couple of rough starts at the beginning of the year. This team is not good. Yeah. They're not good. They're 15 and 20. Uh they're not they're not DOA. 
Like we're not we're not completely hopeless, but the thing is, I just don't see I don't see the point of holding on to guys like Buckholes. I think any player we can get for value that is outside our window because we're not going to be competitive for at least another two or three years at least. Oh man, you should be. We should be dealing them. And maybe that does include Sanchez and Stroman, but right now is a bad time to trade them. So you think it's really? a bad time to trade them right now? It is a bad time. Justin, like, let's get into it right now. Honestly, let's talk about these trade rumors. Right now, their value is not high. Two weeks ago, value was higher. I hate that you about know? baseball, though, how like one week can absolutely change your value. Well, it's been two two weeks of bad starts for both of them, Damn. right? It, it's But it's, it's it's concerning, especially for Sanchez because he's walking a ton of people. Um, the, the thing with both those guys is they both have good stuff. Like They both have good pitches. They've had success in the past. They're still worth something right now. Ideally, <laughs> they pitch well for a month. And then we can move them, say, at the end of the May. Maybe they maybe they have a great May. Maybe mm-hmm. they rebound and have three or four good starts the rest of this month, both of them. And then we look at, at moving on. And that's – depending on what the return is, if we can get a good value for them with pitching prospects coming back, we don't need any more batters. We don't need any more offensive prospects unless it's an outfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to get pitching for pitchers. And we haven't been able to do that. I mean, obviously we got Thornton for Diaz, and we were all criticizing that Diaz trade, and it's worked out for us okay so far. Um, yeah, but we do need to get if we do trade these guys, it has to be for pitching, it can't be for anything else. Needs to be. I think Marcus Stroman's trade value is quite high right now. I think you're right. I think his trade value, when you look at everything, not just the pitching, mm-hmm. but if you're a GM of a team and you're looking to make a big splash with a trade, because getting Marcus Stroman, I mean, Jays aren't just going to let him go, they're going to need at least two good pitching prospects for Marcus yeah. Stroman in return, and then another pretty good player. Like, yeah. I think it would take three players to trade Marcus Stroman. That's probably right. Like, I, I, that would be best case scenario. He's a leak, a leak round ball pitcher. I think we would get two. I think we would take a deal if, if the two right players were there. But if you're a GM and you're looking at making a big splash, you're, you're trading some of your prospects, you put a lot of time in, you got to look at everything. Marcus Stroman's an elite ground ball pitcher. He's also a pitcher for Team USA. He won yeah. that World Baseball Classic, did he not? Yeah, he did, and he's very so passionate. He's got that name behind him. <laughs> you know, he's got the USA name behind him. So fans in the states, like, because you know, sometimes with Blue Jay players, fans in the states don't know who they are. Yeah. Fans in the states know who Marcus Stroman is. That's he's true. got the whole height doesn't measure heart thing going for him. Yeah. So a lot of people like him. I know in Toronto right now, in Canada, people are kind of seeing another side of Marcus Stroman, where it's like, eh, okay, but. In the States, he's got a great reputation. I don't think people really know Marcus Stroman the way Jays fans do. So I think his trade value would be high for a, a GM's probably looking at a guy like that. Like, you know what? Our fan base would not be upset if we sold some pieces for Marcus Stroman. And that's a, I think GMs probably take that into consideration as well because they don't want to get fired for a bad trade. Yeah. So they're like, you know what? I don't think anyone would be too mad if I did this deal for Marcus Stroman. So I think his trade value is high. Aaron Sanchez, I don't think his trade value is too high right now. No. Justin Smoke. You're always in the market for a good hitter. Switch hitting, power hitting, first base. I think he's got a little bit of. I think when it comes to value, I think Strowman's first, Smoke second, Sanchez is third. Maybe we can trade him to San Francisco to see he can go be with his buddy Pilar again. They have some young pitching prospects I wouldn't mind getting my hands on. So, but I still, (laughs) I think we should trade Marcus Strowman in the next. Like, give him again, give him another month, and if he keeps if he keeps pitching the way he has been, like he's pitching well, trade him, trade him at the height of his value. Those three guys: Strowman, Sanchez, and Smoke. The three S's, how many of them are gone by the trade deadline? Two. I think smoke stays. 
No, I think I think Sanchez stays. I, I think it's going to be one of the pitchers who stays because Smoke's a free agent after this year. Yeah, I, yeah, I forgot. But yeah, Smoke's gone. I think I think Stroman's going to be gone, and then we're going to. We can't keep Sanchez either, though. I think out of all three of them, if I had to keep one, I'm keeping Sanchez just because the other two, I think you can get more for. Yeah. At this point. Well, plus we got Luke Maley waiting in the wings, taking yeah. over that uh, ace rotation <laughs> spot. Yeah, Luke Maley's our new closer. Man, can we, if we trade, we can trade Ken Giles too. We Luke, have Luke Maley, Maley is on pace to allow no hits during his pitching career. Yeah, he's got zero ERA. That's insane. Yeah. Insane, yeah. guys. The and next he's got Cy one, Young. He's got nine strikeouts for nine innings. The next. The next. <laughs> The next Billy Koch, you heard it here first. Um, let's talk about well, that low point for the Jays. Shohei Otani who? Yeah, let's talk about that low point, that 8 nothing loss. That was that was bad. Uh, Stroman wasn't great in that game. I mean, it wasn't his fault. But again, whenever Stroman has a rough first inning, you know it's not going to go great for him. He doesn't really rebound well after a bad first inning. But yeah. Patrick, was this the low point for the Jays season so far? Yes, absolutely. This is this, it, this is as bad as it's going to get. We're probably going to end up finishing the season around five to six, five to eight games below five hundred. I, I really That's, don't think the team very is optimistic. that off. That is pretty. I, I don't know if it were that bad. Like like somewhere between five to eight games under five hundred. I could see this team still being able to pull off seventy six wins. Oh man, we'll be lucky to win seventy. Well. I don't I'll go know. with 69. We'll I mean, nice. look, they were able nice. to hit 500. They were able to hit 500. That's not nothing. That's true. something. Yeah, yeah, true. But, I mean, you look at the cast of characters that they have, and that cast of characters right now is not a 500 baseball team. Mm-hmm. I didn't see Montoyo get tossed. Did it look kind of funny? Because he never gets angry. Like, well, I can't see Charlie Montoyo the, getting angry. The pitch was basically at Smoke's – or at uh, – was it Smoke? No. Who was it? doesn't matter jury his shoe tops whoever was up there the pitch was it was low it was noticeably low and the first pitch of the at-bat had also been called a strike that was also low as cp buckner and he's not a great umpire i can say it as an umpire i was just about to say <laughs> those damn umpires hey yeah. when are they um, gonna get it right there, there was an article that came out a couple weeks ago about uh baseball umpires and they, believe it or not the the younger umpires are the better umpires in big in big league baseball who knew that younger guys had better eyesight? Oh, yeah. Well, those old guys, too, are just so stubborn that they don't change their ways. No. So the young guys are like, you know what? Let's, I'll take some lessons, you know, but old guys. Yeah. There were very few. The average age of, of the best or the average experience of the best major league umpires was like 2.7 years of experience Ooh, in the big leagues. That's not bad. So rookie, rookie umpires are the mm-hmm. better umpires, apparently, which isn't surprising because I can speak from experience from going through like umpire training and exams and stuff that it's probably better than it has been ever. And we get on-field evaluations. Mm-hmm. And, and this is at, at minor baseball in Saskatoon. This isn't at big league baseball and minor league baseball yeah. umpire training. So these guys have had heavy training. And these young guys that are doing it have been doing this their whole lives. So, I mean, yeah, they're probably pretty passionate about it at this point. you got to imagine some of these old guys like uh, um, Joe West, who have been around for 40 years, probably just don't really care anymore. <laughs> oh, he gives zero shits right now. Zero shits. He's making all the money off the West Fest. He's in it for his pension, city, man. So. He's in it for his pension. Yeah, he can return anytime. He's like 65 or something. Yeah, Stupid. let's get into uh, who's hot, who's not before yeah. we wrap things up today. Um, because, again, we, we're filming on the day of the wraps. And game five. it's a huge game five for the wraps. Kawhi Leonard, by the way, averaging like 38 points this Playoff series Kawhi. or something. Like, it's just <laughs> insane. That uh, Who's that Wash guy for NBA? Wash uh, Narski or whatever? Narski, yeah. He says that he believes leaves according to Kawhi's people he, he had stay. Z- he had zero consideration to stay in Toronto and after the series like I'm leaning towards it so he stay. it's probably just a rumor though but uh Patty <laughs> we'll start with you um uh pick two batters who's been the hottest for you oh there's shit. only two options this week 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, go. let's be real here. Randall, Gritchick, and Rowdy Telez are the only good Jays, so we're all going to pick them. Like, let's be real here. They're the only guys, Billy McKinney hit 250, yeah. and Gritch and Telez both hit 333. Oh, and if, that's... We're going, if we're going, well, Billy McKinney was 3 for 12. 3 if for we're, 12. If we're reaching on Billy McKinney going 3 for 12 <laughs> as a hot prospect, oh, a prospect that, that's not that's not good. Um, okay, so then Gritch or Rowdy. Gritch or Rowdy. Grichuk and Telez are obviously the only two guys worth talking about this week as far as who's hot. Let's talk a little tiny bit or give a little bit of a mention to Eric Sogard, who, despite only going four for 19, uh, also had five walks. And you guys know me. What's my favorite thing about a baseball player? Does he get on base? Does he get on base? Well, and guess who got on base all week? Yeah, Eric Sogard. And guess what? Too. He stayed on base. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he scored four times. <laughs> but that being said, uh, those are not. That's not good enough. You like, can look down at Dustin it's not Smoke too, right? either. Yeah, Smokey was um, even though he only hit one thirty six, he had a three ten on base percentage because he did walk six times, only strike out five times. So it yeah. wasn't for him, a lack of him putting the ball in play. Um, that he's kind of in the shit list for average this week, but his approach yeah. is still solid. I mean, uh, yeah, Smoke and Sogard, the only two guys who walked more than they struck out this week. Oof, ouch. T. Yeah. Oscar Hernandez is bad. Not he, bad. Not bad. I shouldn't say it. Again, he's a major league baseball player. He's obviously good at baseball. I'm not yeah, – I shouldn't have said bad. But he was 3 for 21 with 10 strikeouts. I thought he figured out yeah. the whole strikeout thing. That's what they were saying in spring. Oh, Teo's a new player. He's he's whiffing. Like, it's not just bad. It's not just, like, good quality at-bats either. His his strikeout at-bats are bad. It's not ideal. It's yeah. quick. It, it's four pitches. He's out of there. I don't know about him. Like, Galvis, we kind of expected him to hit a slump after that hot start. We already touched on Vladdy. Danny Jansen's been kind of a topic of discussion a lot in the past couple weeks, though. Um, True. Again, still only three for 16. When do you think Danny's going to kind of get out of his shell, Patrick? Uh, 2020. <laughs> I just think this is, is going to be a rough year. For I him. think so, too. I, I had high hopes for him because at the end of last year, it looked like he was ready, but I don't, I don't think he was ready for this. I think it's a big shock for him, but I think this is going to help him in the long run. I think he's going to learn a lot of lessons. Just the stats for the hitters this week, though. This is uh, You guys got this one. By the way, all the stats, Justin and Patrick get. I don't get. Like, with all the stats and it's all the analysis. To take a screen grab. But you guys do it. But no, not even the screen grab, but writing and stuff. Like, yeah. I don't do anything. These guys both do it. You guys do a great job of it. I got to give you guys some credit for that. But four home runs this week, 14 RBIs, 21 walks, 69 strikeouts. Nice. Nice. But not nice. Nice! 69. But also not nice. Not nice at all. The worst 69 you could possibly have. <laughs> um, let's get to pitchers because our hitting is depressing me and pitching's going to make us better. The bullpen. The bullpen will, yeah. Uh, Ken Giles, for me, has been awesome. I know there has been some questions, but you have like one rough game. That's the thing, but we haven't seen a lot of them because we haven't been yeah. winning. So, but Ken Giles, what I've seen from him uh, in those two innings where he had four Ks, looked pretty Let's good. Start with the side in that Texas game that we won one nothing. Yeah, Tim Meza. Do you guys think that he's back to being consistent? He's from what I saw. He he did pitch in the in the uh, Angels series, and he looked like the Tim Meza we saw last year, which was a great Tim Meza. Mm-hmm. And to go up one hit yeah. over four innings of work is is great for your for your best for your really your only lefty in the bullpen right now because they've made Thomas Pernas a spot starter and he we'll talk about him in a second but yeah not great but you look at our hot list this week 
Giles, Meza, Thornton, the only starter, Gaviglio, and Luke Maley you know, throwing a scoreless inning. You know things are fucking bad when your backup catcher is, is on, on the, hot, the list. hot list when it comes to pitchers. <laughs> and he pitched one inning. One inning! A scoreless inning. Scoreless inning with one. Who's, by the way, who struck out to Luke Maley? Uh, Shinsu Chu. Really? Yeah. That's quite the accomplishment to strike out Shinsu Chu. Yeah. Good for Luke That's a Mally. tough name to say. Yeah, it is. Shin Su Shin Chu. Chu. Yeah. That's an announcer's nightmare. Uh, Especially for Buck Martinez. Really quickly back to Tim Meza. Patrick, are, are, do you trust Tim Meza again coming out of the bullpen? I never didn't. I think the yeah, problem is just like he had a bit of a, a rough start, and then it was just kind of like a little bit shaky. Vladimir Guerrero called out on strikes. The prophecy has yet to come true, but trust me, it is coming. <laughs> he will hit the home run tonight. <laughs> Just trust me. Uh, when it comes to our what awful pitchers, oh, sorry, about sorry. anything You've really been wrong about a lot. Yeah, we've all been <laughs> yep, wrong about a lot. We're wrong all the time. That's I what makes this thing funny. We've got a worse being right percentage, and the Blue Jays have a winning percentage. All right Jays fans have been wrong though. Oh, yeah. Every single Jays fan who's been optimistic or saying this or that, we've all been wrong. We this all year. thought Kyle Drabeck was the answer. Well, yeah, exactly. Jays fans are constantly wrong. This team is a huge. Yes, Oh. This game is this this team's always just a mixed bag where it's just like we don't know what's gonna happen. JP and Cibia was the answer. Oh, JP and Cibia, don't bring up that name. Him and Laurie, I can't oh, take. Uh, I, that was my next one. I can't take those two former Blue Jays. Shea Hillenbrand's up there too. Clayton, Sorry. Before Clayton aneurysm, let's go back to Tim Meza. In his last seven games, seven point one innings pitched, one earned run given up, two walks, four strikeouts, zero point six eight WHIP. He's back to old Tim Meza, but I don't want to talk about Tim Meza. There's one guy who I feel like has not been getting enough credit so far this season, and it's Sammy G. Yeah, guys, when is he gonna get his fucking chance to pitch as a starter? I don't like Honest, him as a starter. Though. Honestly, at this point, the success that he's had in the bullpen, I'm content to leave him there. I don't want to pull a Joe Biagini with this guy. You don't guy. want to pull a Thomas Pannone like yeah. we did to Thomas Pannone. He pitched 1.2 innings in the start. Yikes. We need good bullpen guys, and if we got a good bullpen guy, I mean, it'd be it's awesome. You always want your best pitchers in the starting rotation, but if a guy's pitching good in the bullpen, maybe just keep him there until we literally need to put him in there because we know we can start. Yeah. But I think we should just hold on. Ah, but our rotation's so bad too. I don't know what to do with this freaking team. Like. It's not ideal. Um, I if wanna... I was in charge, I wouldn't know what to do. I'd just drink all the time and hope for the yeah, best. I just like... want to bring up one thing in reference to the stuff we talked about with Vladdy. So he did, as Patrick mentioned, he struck out on called strikes in his first at-bat. He saw five pitches, and none of them were in the strike zone. Ugh. Two of them were sliders that he swung at, which Jose Barrios has a great slider. The rest of the MLB, but grow a pair and throw to him. Five pitches, nothing was in the strike zone. The pitch he got rung up on was just outside. It's a close fastball. We can give it to the umpire on this point. It may have cut the corner of the plate. but yeah. like Always giving the umps the, uh, nothing. the benefit never, of the doubt. I'll hey? never give C.B. Buckner the benefit nah, of the doubt. Sure, I don't Mr. Like umpire. They're playing, playing favorites. But I just want to point that out again, that nobody is pitching to Vladi and those two sliders down and away, and that's where they've been pitching him, and he's swinging at everything. So that's just... Vladdy, just leave the bat in your shoulder. I'm not going to pitch to you, bud. Yeah, last thing we're going to touch on today, uh, the starting rotation. Uh, this is going to close out the show. I'm going <laughs> to let you guys have a minute here. Talk about what's irking you the most about our starting rotation, who's pissing you off the most, who needs to work it out. Uh, Patrick, you start. Just go off. Go. I'm just going to say it. Right now, they fucking suck. Get better. Stop being shitty. I'm about to throw down my microphone. I'm so upset. Looking at, <laughs> like, the numbers. Like, what the fuck? Is going on. Well, let's just Aaron go. Sanchez, Clay Buckles, yeah. Thomas Pannone, you shithead! Stop throwing outside the. <laughs> Stop. 
guys, start striking them out, get your control back in order, all of you, or you can fuck off to Legoland, because that's where you're going to end up getting traded to. Justin's mom is going to be mad at us for swearing a lot in the last five minutes. I'm sorry. That. I'm That's sorry, okay. Mr. Sorry, Mr. Zanderson. We're just very passionate because our team sucks right now, and it's really, really depressing. Really, really depressing. Um, cool. Yeah, you. Go. Go, um, Justin. You know what? I just really don't want to see, as Patrick said, Thomas Pone ever start another ball game. It's terrible. Uh, just, just let him stay in the bullpen or send him to AAA if you want him to start there. But can we just do bullpen days since our bullpen seems to be like really good right now? Work let's, for Tampa. Let's just pitch everyone. Tampa, they'll dog 275 innings this year. Everyone throw one inning a piece every game. We'll just do the same guys. We'll just Aaron Sanchez can throw one inning and then we'll put in Marcus Stroman for an inning. We'll just do one inning all throughout the game. Yeah, at this point, why not? Let's why try not? something. Let's yeah. let's mix it up. Like this is some Josh Tower stuff we're <laughs> seeing right now. I don't throw around the JT too often. Yeah. But this is some Josh Towers. The year he went 0 for 10 to start the year, kind of stuff. This is Romero some. Bad. This is some legendary bad starting pitching. And the thing that is just so classic Jays. Every year when you look at the strengths of it of the Jays, it's like, oh yeah, this guy. Oh oh no, this guy's gonna be good. This part of our team's gonna be good. Our infield's gonna be good. Our outfield's gonna be good. What happens the first few months of the season? That area that we always expect is going to be great is the worst part the of our worst. team. Before the season, we're like, oh, our lineup's not great. Our bullpen's not great. But, hey, Sanchez, Stroman, we bring in some guys Shoemaker's for our rotation. Great. It's going to be great, and we're bad. They're the worst part of our team. Let's just – there's no good segue to end on this now. So let's just end it in that awkward silence that we just had. Yeah. No. No, we need to go out on a positive. Okay. Let's right. No, Shut you, it down for a minute, guys. <laughs> Listen. Listen to me, okay? There may come a day where our bullpen falters. And there may come a day where our starting rotation is good. But for now, we can all rest on the laurels that is Sam Gaviglio. (laughs) We can rest on the laurels that is the temporary success of Eric Sogard. And when all of that falters... Someone else should surely take up the mantle of being our savior for this season. I don't know who it's going to be because everybody's just as likely to have a a week where they bat 167 as they are to bat 367. So honestly, at this point, if you're a Jays fan, I'm not going to encourage you not to hit the bottle hard. But what I am going to say is (laughs) take your time. Be safe. Make smart choices. Can't okay? wait. Try, cry, cry a lot. Can't wait for the Sam Gaviglio train to completely burn down in three weeks. Just like the Thomas Pannone train. We're like that. That three uh... weeks. You're very, very optimistic. <laughs> we are the "This is fine" meme right now, or the dog singing in the burning room, yeah. saying "This is fine." Yeah. that's us. Uh, that's it. That's all for today's episode. We got to go watch the wraps. Um, yeah. Again, thanks for listening. Again, social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and again, for a third time, Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You can find us on those. Also, tune in Stitcher. Uh, give us your feedback. Give us some comments. Have any questions or things you want to talk about, uh, just throw it to us. Uh, my name's Clayton. Patrick over Skype in the Maritimes. Justin, you get the song today, and we just ended on a positive, and we're going right back to a negative. You know what? I was listening to Smelt and John on the weekend, and I'm going to go with sad songs because that's how the Jays are making me feel right now. <laughs> Yikes. (laughs) Talk to you next week.